Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Thank you for joining us today. This is a fun one because this is our first Christmas Eve service in this space, but it's also a Christmas Eve service that we get to celebrate with Trademark Church. They've joined us today, which is just awesome to do that. Trademark Church meets here in this space every evening on Sundays, and so it's been fun to share with them. It's a great picture in my mind of the fact that we are one church, um, a bunch of small C extensions of Christ Church united through him and him alone, and so it's fun to do that together. Uh, kids, you got a little bag in here. We're excited to have the kids in here. I would encourage you, if you are in here and you're a child under the age of 18, pay attention. The rest of you don't have to, but um, pay attention and ask questions. Write down things that maybe I say that, that may not click with you and, and talk about that with your families. Talk about that over dinner tonight even and, and really let God use this space for you to join us together. It's fun to worship as a whole body and not be so segregated all the time. Uh, Christmas, there are many things that we can take from the story of Jesus' birth, the reason that we celebrate Christmas and, and the idea of what tomorrow means. And it would be easy for us to talk about peace on earth or, or how there's the best gift ever, and that's Jesus Christ, or the fact that tomorrow is the beginning of the salvation story and, and that, we, that we all know and love that, that takes us to, to the resurrection of Jesus. But really what I wanted to focus in on today is, is something that, that I think is, is always mentioned or thought about but never really spent much time emphasized on. And so we're going to just spend a few minutes talking about incarnation or what means putting on flesh, Jesus putting on flesh, being fully God and fully man. I'll explain that here. Look at first, uh, John 1, 1 through me. It says, in the beginning was the word. So before time even happened, the word was there and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then going just a little bit further down in verse 14 in John 1, it says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we see in John 1 that this is talking about Jesus Christ coming to the earth, leaving his full, full throne place, the full deity as God up there and coming down and putting on flesh and dwelling with us. It's not that he took place of another human being. No, he became human for us. In a way, it's, it's like God took the God card away and brought himself down fully man, still fully God, but, but subsides his, his powers, his strengths, and in humility comes down to be taken care of, picture this, being taken care of and raised by two people who he created. He comes in and, and takes this flesh and, and, and takes this personhood. And really, if you think about it with, with the incarnation, I really don't think there is any more loving thing for God to do than to send, him, than to send his son to incarnate flesh Maybe the one more loving thing is the fact that he dies for us on the cross. But if that never happens, which it does, praise Jesus, it does. But if that never happens, him coming down in, in human form is one of the most loving things that he could ever do. And let me, let me explain this. Uh, many years, for a lot of times in my life in ministry, I didn't understand depression because I'd never experienced depression. And it doesn't mean that in that that I was not able to give healthy counsel or, or point people to scriptures or to pray with people or to be with people. But once I had experienced depression myself about six years ago, it, it, it helped me understand something that I had no idea of what it, what it really was or how it affected people. It helped me to have a lens into to taking in an understanding of what it meant to, to feel this and, and what it meant to try and, and wrestle with this with God and to work through it. Before that point, I... I had ideas about it, I had understandings, I had read books about it, but I'd never really experienced it. Jesus leaving the throne room of God 
coming down into flesh is to experience what all of us experience. Now, now picture this. Think of this for a second. God is fully aware of the emotions he created for us to have. He's fully aware of our circumstances and, and what happens in our life and, and how we're doing. He's all-knowing. There's no confusion there. But God, putting on flesh, comes down and now can experience what you and I experience. He can see it from a level of now he knows what it means to be sad in a different way. Now he knows what loneliness feels like. Even when we see Jesus in that, that room, that, that jail cell, right before he's on the cross where he says, everyone has forsaken him like the Psalms say. He can experience things that he didn't just create and know, but he can walk in a way that we walk. He can see things. Jesus understands in totality now, in every way, what it means to be human. There's, there's no weight or feelings or emotions or thought process that he now doesn't understand. To have a God who created us, who's worthy of, of all worship and all adoration, to not just say, hey, come to me for hope, but to leave his position in his rightful throne room with God, to come down, to, to put on flesh in vulnerability, to experience stubbing his toe, or what it was like to learn to take his first steps, or like I said, to be fully reliant on two human beings who he created. God experiences all this, and in, in, in doing so, he now understands what it's like to have family drama around the holidays. He probably experienced sickness at points, a cold or the flu. We know that he experienced exhaustion. See, God doesn't just know about all these things because he's all powerful and all omniscient. God, when, he, when Jesus leaves the throne room, he, he takes the God card off, puts flesh on, he incarnates, he, he becomes a human, and he walks this earth the way that you and I walk, experiencing the pains and the struggles and the difficulties that you and I feel experiencing the joy and the triumph and the excitement that you and I get to feel. He experiences all of that personally and does it without sin. Think about it this way. God has never had to respond to something that he was not aware of it coming, that he didn't see coming. He never had to respond to something that he didn't see coming until he walked on this earth as man. And he had to experience the brokenness that he didn't see coming right away. We've been working through the book of Corinthians on Sundays, and we've talked about how, how the power that Jesus walks in this earth isn't, isn't because he's God, although he is. It's because he's indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The scriptures teach that we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit when we submit our life to Jesus Christ and his lordship over our life. And so Jesus walks this earth to show us what it means to walk by the power of the Spirit. He, he walks this earth and shows us how we are to react when sadness or sickness or, or anger comes at us or when this broken world affects us. He shows us this, and he does it in such a way that it changes entirely who God is to us. Look at this. We can see this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. It says this. It says, Since then, we have a great high priest. Now, Real quickly, a high priest was a term that would have been used specifically around um, the Jewish beliefs in the Old Testament. The high priest was the one that did the sacrifice once a year to make all of Israel right before God. They only did it once in the, in the inner room, the, the most holy room. They were the only ones allowed in there. And saying, look, we have a great high priest, a high priest in Jesus Christ that is, that is not just a descendant of Aaron, but is of an order of Melchizedek. Now, kids, talk to your parents about him later on, okay? That's a long story. But he's a high priest who has passed through the heavens. He came from the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. 
Confession is, is, is uh, us confessing that Christ is Lord. He's saying, hold on to this. Cling to the fact that we have this confession, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he says, for we do not have, now this is why we can do this. This is why this is so powerful. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Because our high priest in Jesus Christ wasn't just God up there saying, do this. He came down to us and he walked and experienced and lived like you and I live on this earth. But one who in every aspect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's interesting to me because the holidays are our time when, when we're supposed to be joyful. And, and predominantly people are, tend to be a little bit happier because they get eggnog and, and vacation time and family time. Sometimes that's exciting. And, and you, you experience a little bit more joy there. But a lot of times what happens is, is we see more often than not, this is a time of a lot of loneliness. Where people are experiencing the grieving of, of having to celebrate a, a, a holiday for the first time without someone they loved. Or people are reminded just how far their relationship has gone from the family they have. You experience all kinds of hardships and difficulties, and we have a high priest, we have a God who can sympathize with that. We have someone that says, it says here that we can approach the throne of grace. We can draw near to the throne of grace with confidence. The throne of grace is just the throne room of God where we can experience grace through Jesus Christ dying for our sins, living a perfect life. It's where we get our salvation. We can draw near to a place like that, not because of anything we've done, but because of who he is and what he's done for us. And so when we think about Christmas and we think about the incarnation, that Jesus came and, and took on flesh and walked this earth, kind of left the God card behind for a moment so that he could be fully man and still fully God, very hard to understand. I get that. When we think about that, there are present-day implications. That means that you and I, those of us that have submitted our lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, have given ourselves to him, we don't have to walk lonely anymore. We don't have to wrestle with our hardships, or our struggles, or our temptations, or anything anymore alone. We do it with him. Scriptures teach that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So we don't have to experience the, the difficulties of this world alone. We don't have to experience the joys of this world alone. You've ever been somewhere, you're like, I want to experience something, and I'm excited about it. And you look around, and like, who can I tell this? And you feel kind of alone, like there's no one to celebrate with you. Well, that's Jesus walking with you, fully aware of what it means to be excited like that, to be sad like this, to walk in these ways. There isn't a single person in this world that can know what you are feeling entirely. You can feel something, and you can try and share it, but, but the, the deepest part of our soul and our heart, it's hard to share that. What this teaches us, Jesus incarnating, shows us that he knows that. He doesn't just know it because he is God. He knows it because he walked it. He experienced it. He experienced it always. You have a God that is sympathetic, God that is willing to walk with you. Him coming to earth and living the way he did is him meeting us right where we are at. And he promises to never leave us nor forsake us. This is why we can have peace in everything. This is why Jesus is known as peace on earth. Why? Because we don't have to walk this world alone anymore. We don't have to experience hardships alone. We have hope and joy. No matter how difficult this world is, no matter how hard things get, no matter how 
tough the momentary things are, we know that in the end, we have Jesus Christ who will see us through this, not just because he is God, but because he showed us what it meant to walk through it while he walked this earth. He showed us how to live our life submitted to the Holy Spirit and living by his strength and walking in the Spirit. He showed us what it means to to rejoice and what it means to weep, and he showed us how to do it all to the glory of God. Our hardships won't go away, but we have a sympathetic high priest that not only knows what to do in our struggles, but lived what to do in our struggles. He knows your pains, your sorrows, your loneliness, and he doesn't hide himself from you, but draws near to you. When we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate that God didn't just stay in his throne room and tell us what to do. He came down to us and gave us a way to him. It says, draw near with confidence, like How do you draw confidently towards a God who is perfect as an imperfect person? Hebrews 6 tells us that we are anchored to the throne room of God by Jesus Christ. Tells us that the only reason why we can stand in the throne room of God is not because of anything we've done or any merit of our own, but because of what he has done through Christ. And that every time we sin or we we step into our flesh, our, our broken flesh, not Jesus in him walking in flesh perfectly, but in our broken flesh, Every single time Jesus is standing before God advocating for us. This all begins in him being born. How can we draw near confidence to God if we don't, let me say it this way. Have you ever, have you ever met someone that's like overly confident? You know, someone like that, that they're completely unfounded in their confidence level, right? Like one of our elders, Danny Schaefer, kind of like that. Have you ever, have you ever seen like him maybe? Like it's just that. That kind of confidence, like, where does this even come from? It doesn't make sense. And a lot of times what happens is in that confidence, like, you, you realize that they, they may have seemed and, and felt confident, but at the end, they, they let you down. They don't, they don't see it through because it was their own kind of muster or the willpower to try and do so. We can be confident in Christ for, for many reasons. One is because he's God. Two is because we know that he knows now through the incarnation what it means to walk this earth what it means to, to, to grow and to lose teeth and to get teeth. We can be confident in Christ because he didn't just sit in the throne room and say, I got this. He came down to us and said, I will show you just how much I got this. The incarnation is such a beautiful thing for us because it shows us that God wants to be in relationship. He's still fully God, but he wants to be in relationship. Would you draw near to the Lord? this truth will allow all of us to recognize that no matter how alone we feel in this world, we're never alone because Christ is with us. We don't have to worry about if he's, if he's too far. He's always near. The point of tomorrow is the birth of Jesus Christ. It's the fullness of God reconciling all nations back to God. A plan that was set long time ago, Jesus coming to dwell among us so that he could be an atoning sacrifice to save us all from death and darkness. Christmas is about God bringing redemption to the world through Jesus, and that redemption began by him being born. And for you and I today, we can have hope because it's not founded on anything that, that will, is a false confidence. It's not founded on anything based on us. It's founded on Christ who knows us, who walked with us, who walks with us, and who leads us. We can have a hope and a joy that extends far beyond anything that this world can offer because it's not of this world. It's of him. This is what Christmas is for us. It's an everlasting hope in this world. There's another promise in this. You have a God who not only can sympathize with you, but one that is walking with you. 
one that doesn't just know your feelings and struggles because he created you and everything else, but because he walked this earth, he felt them, he lived them, he knows them, and in turn can show you how to walk through them and with him. So when we celebrate Christmas, we don't just celebrate the fact that he began this walk so that we can celebrate salvation. We, we celebrate the fact that God, if the, if, if the cross never happened, we celebrate the fact that God was willing to come down here personally to get to know us, to show us just how much he loves us. We know the rest of the story, if you spent any time in the church, without, without Jesus being born, there is no death and resurrection, which is the foundation of our faith and understanding of God. It takes all parts of it. We can't take one without the other. And one scholar says it this way. He says, we Christians have a Savior who has shared our experience with temptation, but who, as the spotless Lamb of God, was perfectly suited to be our substitutionary sacrifice, to be a sacrifice in place of what we deserve to die for at Calvary and now lives as our high priest in heaven. All who look for divine sympathy and relief from the persistently alluring hand of sin may be supremely comforted. I hope this Christmas season you find comfort and not some kind of willpower thinking about comfort like there's a God that's way, way far away that, that might know you, but comfort recognizing there's a God that literally came down, looked you in the face and said, walk with me, follow me, I love you. In spite of everything that you've done, let me pay for that. That's what Christmas is. That's what we celebrate. We celebrate the joy of him taking on flesh so that we can be whole. God was incapable of dying until he took on flesh. We're going to do something today. We're going to take some communion in this as well. And I thought it was really fitting because communion is one of those really beautiful things to do. It's, it's, it's a tradition that the church has that we can, we can honor. And, and really, it's Jesus institutes this in the Lord's Supper, and he tells us to do this in remembrance of him. So it's, a, it's an idea of taking communion to remember what he has done for us and remembering what he's going to do in his completion coming again. But, but for me, I think it's even fitting to do it even more so today on Christmas when we're celebrating incarnation flesh. We're, we're celebrating that Jesus took on flesh when, when the symbolization of both the bread and the juice talks about his body that was, that was killed for us and his blood that was spilled for us so that we can be deemed righteous, that we can be, we can be called righteous by submitting our life to him. And so we're going to take communion. In a second, I'll just give you guys, the, the band will come up again and we'll take some time to just sing and worship and give you a chance to just go take communion as you feel led with your families, with a small group of your friends that you came or just the person next to you. Uh, one, one quick thing I want to encourage you with is as a follower of Jesus, that's what the table is for. If you're here today and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know if I believe in this whole thing or you're kind of one of those, what the, the church world called duns, like I kind of believed this a long time ago, but my family drugged me here and I just don't believe this anymore. This is an opportunity for you to come to the table, to the throne of grace. Think about it this way. We, we, we want, God teaches that this, the believers are to take this with a, in a worthy manner. And that would mean if you are a follower of Jesus, you have any struggles or sins in your life that you have not confessed or repented of, you can approach the table in repentance because it's a throne of grace. There is, in, in Christ, there is no sin that puts you outside of his grace. He has, his grace is sufficient for everything that you do. And so I would encourage you to go and take communion. But first, be reconciled to the Lord. Confess what needs to be confessed. If you're here today and you're like, man, I don't know if I believe this, then I want to I challenge you with a couple things, if I can, for just a second. I don't think you're here on an accident. We talk about God being so personal and him, him being willing to leave his throne and come down and walk with us together. 
did you ever think that he, he wants that with you? I would say that the reason you're here isn't because your family drug you or a friend drug you. It's because he wants relationship with you. And so I would encourage you to, to go back to the prayer room if you need to, to get some prayer or to ask the person that came with you to pray with you. Confess to the Lord that you have, you have no more desire to carry your own life and you want this hope, you want this relationship where you can walk with him in unity for an eternity. And if you do this, please, please, like I said, ask the person that came with you or, or grab one of the pastors or anyone in the prayer room to walk with you through this process. But, but don't hold back because you're afraid of the unknown. If you're, if you're here and you don't believe in Jesus Christ, don't, don't just assume you've found a better way because I promise you there is no hope in anything but Christ. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for the chance to take communion. We thank you for the symbolization that it brings for us to celebrate what you've done for us in, the, in the, the, the killing of your body and the spilling of your blood so that we can be deemed righteous by believing you. So God, as believers, we take this knowing that, that we're remembering what you've done for us, but we're also proclaiming the goodness of you and looking to the future of what you promised to do to come and complete. And God, if this means that we don't get to wake up tomorrow because you come to, to complete your kingdom, praise you. And Father, if there's anyone here that is, is wrestling with you. Maybe it's someone that, that thought they knew you a long time ago or it's someone that is in a spot where they just don't, they seem almost hostile to you or frustrated that I'm even talking right now about this or that they're even here. God, I pray that you would just wreak havoc with their hearts. Show them that you are a God of grace and love and hope and joy. That in you, we can have salvation alone and in you, we can have hope alone and in you, we can experience a life where we are not walking alone anymore. No matter how many people are around us or aren't around us, God, we will always have you because you will never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you for all this. Jesus, we pray this in your majesty and your glorious name. Amen.